You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can text us 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay here to break down the Packers Vikings matchup that we've got coming on. Tim, we got some snow flying out here in East Tennessee, man. It's pretty chilly up your way, too, right? Yeah, starting uh starting to change a little bit. No more <laughs> uh no more spring weather in December, I guess. Um, yeah. up here for us yeah we might get a little snow too heck yeah yeah omer we got a uh we got a new uh a new picture a profile picture change from omer he now has uh rich basaccia flipping off the camera there as you see uh it looks like a looks like it's probably a photoshop maybe it isn't but i don't know <laughs> you never know with, with, with coach b right yeah well, you never know with omer either you know what i'm saying <laughs> that's a fact uh i know carly ray chimed in sounds like the little one's doing better there with the uh the the uh issue she had the other night glad little man's doing good carly good to see all you guys in the chat um got omar in here doug carly ray jen Wright. jen Wright just dropped the kids off she's back ready to roll love it absolutely love it duke in the house what's up duke good to see you in here buddy um yeah got a full full crew all right let's do this tim you got a listener question if i remember correctly right uh that we wanted to hit on here about the vikings um let's let's kind of have a little uh, a little quick conversation on that for sure yeah, absolutely. This is uh, from my step pops, uh, Greg, out in New Berlin, said, uh, topic for the pod, thinking of the upcoming game and this rookie quarterback, how would you game plan the defense? Uh, and then he goes on to say, I would mix in a variety of blitzes while trying to keep external contained since he's a runner, pressure up the middle in his face, don't let him stand back there and get too comfortable. So um, I think that's a good approach. I think that would be um, – a good start, right? I mean, let's just face it. I mean, most young quarterbacks in this league are mobile to, right. to some degree. They will, I mean, they will step up in the pocket or they will roll out and run on you. Um, so you've got to have that balance, I think. Um, and this guy's a little bit of an unknown to us. He hasn't seen many snaps. I mean, I think he's played the most snaps against us. Uh, if memory serves me correct, we were talking about that <laughs> offline. Um, he played a little bit right after uh, Cousins went down uh, in our last matchup. And, uh, that feels had, like a lifetime ago, doesn't yeah, it? Doesn't it? It feels like 50 years ago. But, um, you know, I think that's a, a, a good start. I mean, a good suggestion by Greg there to, um, you know, you got to keep your edge. You got to keep your contain. Don't let him out. Um, but I also wonder if maybe letting him stand in the pocket and 
make foolish decisions is exactly what we want him to do. So I think we probably need to have a balanced balanced approach when it comes to him. What do you, what do you think about that? How would you deal with this uh, kind of an unknown rookie quarterback? Yeah, let's dive into Jaron Hall just real quick because there's really it shouldn't take 30 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> he uh, he's only seen playing time twice this year. Obviously, he's a rookie, fifth round pick out of BYU. Um, he's six foot two oh seven, kind of a shorter quarterback. We know he's mobile. Um, he was a lot of fun to watch in college. I remember looking at his tape a time or two. Um, very dynamic, very quick, quick twitch. Um, he can burn you with his legs. There's no doubt about it. But in week eight against the Packers, if you guys remember, if I remember correctly, now he only seen six snaps. If I remember correctly, he came in there at the end, and we actually got a strip sack on him, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong, but I think that was Jaron Hall there. Okay, so his PFF grade for that game was 76.2, um, which kind of leads you to believe if there was a strip sack there, then uh, – Good chance that it wasn't on him. The protection just broke down. I remember that play too. I think it was Preston Smith, if I remember correctly, that stripped him. I'm 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 almost positive that was Jaron Hall. Now he's seen three snaps against Atlanta in week nine, and they said, okay, that's enough. Because he graded out 54.7 there. So overall, I mean, it's an extremely, extremely small sample size, but PFF grade 64.9, running grade of 50.8, which would suggest that he, you know, they didn't think he was smart when running the football. Um, it's shown he's got a good fumble grade, so I could have those quarterbacks mixed up. But I guess what I'm saying, Tim, there's not enough tape on him to go, okay, here's how you stop this guy. But when you talk from a schematic standpoint on how you would attack a rookie quarterback, a young quarterback, ideally, yeah, you want to put pressure on him, right? Um, but what kind of pressure? That's the key. And, you know, when we played Tommy DeVito, again, feels like a lifetime ago. Forget about uh, it. He's since been benched. If you controlled his scrambling ability, he doesn't have that good of a game, you know? And the part that was frustrating and, and the reason it continues to be frustrating is we've seen it last week. We just did chalk talk, right? And what happened last week? rushing up the field. That one play with Enigbare where he's literally eight yards, you know, behind the quarter. It's like you've got to have some pocket awareness. You've got to be able to understand, okay, I'm getting too far upfield here. And here's the thing. Like, if you've got a drop back passer, right, and and you're not concerned with them bouncing out right, like a three-step drop and then bouncing out right and rolling, then I can kind of understand, okay, you want to get deep and make him step up into the well, the well being, you know, the 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 upper portion of the pocket to where you can get your big hog mollies up front to put pressure on them. If you've got a a true pocket passing quarterback, you do that. You get you get deep on the pass rush, make him step up in the well, and now you've got hands in his face, especially if it's a shorter quarterback, which is something else we need to take into consideration with Jaron Hall. The throwing lanes, it sounds silly. But even just two inches with a quarterback, two inches extra height, can make a big difference on those throwing lines. You know, you get someone with a 6'4", right? It's a huge difference, which I think Jordan Love is right at 6'3", 6'4", if I remember correctly. So someone that small, the goal should be keep him in the pocket. So with that being said, I don't know if they'll do it because it's it's on the edge defenders to make sure they do this correctly is – don't get upfield so far. You'll get no no deeper than five off the line of scrimmage and then kind of set up shop and play that little contain. And you can still get after the quarterback. You know, you can throw a straight arm in there and drive him right back into the quarterback. That's fine. But this whole rushing up and past, you know, watching Aaron Rodgers for so many years, Tim, 
I, I was like, if I was the opposing team's fan, I would be so frustrated because they just keep running straight up the field and he just that little sidestep roll out right every single time. Like, how many times are you going to do that before you don't catch on? So I think that comes into play big time. Now, the other side of the of the coin when you blitz a quarterback, first of all, he's six foot tall. Keep him in the well. Make him throw from within the well. That should be the goal. Second, if you're going to blitz him like we did last week, you got to make sure your corners aren't playing 10 yards off the line. And I say corners, and I really should say corner, which I know Jair isn't playing. He was the only corner on the field that decided to play 10 yards off on a on a cover one-man blitz. Made no sense whatsoever. It's pointless to blitz if you're going to give the quarterback a very, very easy answer to the equation. And that easy answer is when they're 10 yards off the line, I mean, it, all they got to do is go hot. Just a little sit, a little slant, a little look. It's It's over. And in that case, they felt comfortable enough to get Jada commit deep and then run a post right across his face for 16 yards. So um, I think that's the two things that's going to come into play. Now, my main focus is the turnover differential. You, you know, I think the key to this game is going to be on the offensive side of the ball. If we win the turnover differential, we win this game. If we lose the turnover differential, we lose this game. And I think it's probably going to be a one-score game. And we might be pleasantly surprised and Green Bay come out and absolutely boat race them. Um, I could, I would also wouldn't rule out the possibility that Jaron Hall comes out and plays like a superstar, like the other quarterbacks have against this defense here recently. Right. But that's kind of how I see it. I hope that answers your question, but I would say make him throw from, when, from, uh, from within the well and, uh, make sure you're not rushing too far up the field. You know, no, no reason to get any deeper than five yards. If he wants to run back, if any quarterback wants to run backwards, let him run backwards. And that's the only thing you're really presenting when you rush eight, nine yards up the field, you know? So what do you yeah. think? Is that spark any thoughts there as we're talking about that? It, it does about the, the, the over, I don't know what you want to call it. Yeah. Over pursuit or, or mm-hmm. just rushing too, too deep. Um, we've seen that a lot from, from uh, Inigbare this year. Um, we even saw a little bit of it from, from Rashawn at times and Preston as well. And hey, those kind of plays will happen, right? You're you're going to have that happen once in a while. Uh, most teams, you know, you just get too far back there. Um, but when you're seeing it a lot of the time, it's disheartening. And I think it's, uh, you know, maybe that's a coaching thing. Maybe it's on the players. But you you've got to know, you've got to know when you're too far, <laughs> too far back there. Um, and I think within Igbari, I think he's just a younger, hungry guy, and he's just trying to go back there and smack something every single time he's on the field and he just gets a little ahead of himself. But um, I no, I would agree with, um, with your approach, you know, let him step up a little bit and have him have to make those decisions basically from that area, from the, from the well, as you say, um, mm-hmm. time will tell. We'll see how this defense shows up though. Got yeah, the beard in here. What's up, Jacob? Right, we got Jacob in the house. What's up, Jacob? Good morning, everyone. A little sleepy. <laughs> that java get that cup of diesel going bro we went out we went out last night and had some mexican and uh man i i slammed some steak carne asada, right? like that yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> he'd be he'd be so proud right now of course he's still asleep <laughs> i guarantee it now uh we we went out and had that and and you know i had a couple daddy sodas and ate some carne asada i was in bed by nine o'clock i woke up at 5 45 this morning like hey let's get it (laughs) i was old man i was papaw bailey last night so i don't even remember mandy coming to bed to be honest with you i was that that Mm -hmm. that far out but you were in a 
food food coma, huh? Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was a good good environment too. Man, that place was packed. It was a lot of fun. Um, Duke uh, Duke Backus in the house. Appreciate you, buddy. He says Drew Brees used to tiptoe and bounce in the pocket a lot because of his height. Yep, he he sure did. I could see him doing it as I was reading your comment. I could see Drew back there with that hop, holding that ball kind of hot. Um, he made it work, but I don't think anybody, not that you are either, Duke. I don't think anyone is going to mistake uh, Jaron Hall as uh, as Drew Brees. Maybe just this week, but after that, <laughs> probably. <not. laughs> so let's see here. Mike Ebring in the chat says the Packers' O line has allowed only twenty nine sacks this season. That's good for fifth best in the league. It's funny you mentioned that we were going to talk a little Jordan Love uh, uh, later on in this. Uh, in this show, and I'll just go ahead and pull it up right now since you mentioned it, pressure percentage, uh, when you do a minimum of 200 pass attempts, okay, you see Kyler Murray barely made the cut there at 207. Um, Jordan Love has only been pressured, uh, let's see what the percentage is, 31.5% of the time, which is fifth best in the league. So you want to know, you know, as much as we put the shine on Jordan Love all year long, and how well he's played, um, especially here of lately. You've got to show love to that offensive line. That's the most frustrating part is when I hear people talk about, well, imagine how Jordan would be, how good he would be if he had a good offensive line. I'm going, you are not watching the game, are you? <laughs> like, they've protected him really well. And I think people see him scramble and they think, oh, the, the, the old line broke down. Guys, You in a realistic world, you've got less than three seconds at the NFL level. If you take more than three seconds to get rid of the ball, and that's on you. That's just how it is. So, um, but yeah, good good point there, Mike, with the uh, the old line only allowing twenty nine sacks this season. And again, the pressure rate is what you really want to key in on there. But obviously, the sack is the result of that. And there's been a couple times too, though, Jordan. The reason I like to focus on the pressure rate is because most of the time the pressure rate will be higher than the sacks. Obviously, I mean it, it'll always be. But remember, a couple times this year, Jordan throwing a stiff arm on a big DN and putting him in the dirt, dude. I mean that's I, there's. There's nothing that scares me more, but at the same time gets me excited to see a quarterback take the ball from his throwing hand into the left hand, stiff arm somebody to the ground, and then put the ball back in his throwing hand. I'm just like, you are showing off, bro. I love seeing that. And we used to see Favre do it all the time. You guys remember the spin move that he threw on the guy? Sure. Stiff arm him and spun out. I'm sure Holmgren didn't appreciate it, but, you know. <laughs> anyway, Omer in the chat said, Mike Wall was talking about a spy for the quarterback. And, and there's a couple different ways you can do that, Omer. You know, You've got a contain approach where you can kind of engage with the tackle and you kind of you kind of sit where you're at on the outside and you make sure he doesn't rush to the outside, right? And the goal there is to force him up in the pocket or throw from within the well. And when I say from within the well, that's a term I've heard used for a while. Imagine you in a in a well. You know what that's not what a well is, right? Imagine that you're in a, a well and you go, well, how you know wells are deep like just imagine six foot tall, a six foot tall well, and you're standing in that well. And you have to throw a football on a line through a passing lane. So it's almost impossible. If you force him to step up in the pocket, that six foot becomes four foot nine real quick. You know what I mean? Like you, it's it's really really hard to complete the pass when you make them step up in the pocket. They get them on the edge. It's a totally different ball game. Which we talked about how they play from under center a lot. So you're probably going to see a lot of boot action. I would imagine. Um, the good thing about that is. We run a lot of boot action, so our defense should be as prepared as they could be. But as far as a spy, we talk about contain. There's two different ways you can spy. You can put a true spy where the quarterback's just sitting. He's kind of a three yards off the line of scrimmage, and he's just watching the quarterback, right? But we run a lot of cover, what we call a cover one drop. We run cover one robber and cover one drop. The difference is robber, the safety comes down and plays middle zone. Everyone else is cover one man, right? Deep safety, middle robber. 
you're taking away the center of the field. That's middle field close end result. And everyone else is in man. Um, that robber can kind of spy the quarterback because he's already in the middle zone. His eyes are on the quarterback. He's kind of watching everything unfold. Then you've got to cover one drop, which we do a lot with Quay, where you're same thing, middle field close, safety cover in deep zone. You got everybody else man coverage, and you got a guy in the middle, a linebacker typically, that'll just drop into that middle zone and he's watching the quarterback. So you got a true spy, you've got a cover one drop spy, or you can even do a cover two. You got what we call a drop spy, and then you've got a uh, robber spy. So those are the three things that you're going to probably see. We play more middle field close than people understand. We really changed that up this year. Um, I think we're playing more middle field close than we are middle field open, which is, and we're playing more more man now as well, which is just another example of we're not playing Fangio's defense. You know, we have adjusted and it has not worked. Therefore, people are refusing to acknowledge that they have adjusted because it's not working. <laughs> so, um, again, it comes back to personnel. Jacob, you got anything to add to that, man? Anything thoughts triggered? I mean, no. When I uh, entered the chat conversation where you guys, I couldn't quite understand. Were you talking about the edges and the ends kind of over-pursuing, getting upfield too easy? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you seem like you saw that too. <laughs> that's just that, that's one of the biggest things that I always watched on tape where I'm like, what are you doing? Where I'd watch DeVito just jump up in the pocket and just, I mean, literally jog his way up the field for 15 yards. There's nobody around. It's one yep. of the biggest things that I, I, I will scream at the TV constantly because all I, I remember it like in booster football when they'd be like extend read and then shed. And I would just be watching them just, you know, they, they get in that track stance and they just keep their head down and just barrel straight forward. And by the time they look up, all they had to have done is, you know, that's where you always see them. If you look up, if you identify that the quarterback is starting to break the pocket and running in time, if you at least just make the effort to make your body look like you're tempting, and then half the time you'll get a flag because, you know, you do the old, oh, yeah. Put on exactly. the, the Academy Award. LeBron James, right? Yeah, and Le exactly. A LeBron James. It's LeJean Brames. Nice. <laughs> all right, let's see. Jen Wright said, um, she's. She said she's uh, reading Take Your Eye Off the Ball 2.0, which is awesome. She got it. She said she's already in Chapter 4. We got a half a notebook of notes. Um, she said, I feel uh, so much smarter already. He does a good job of explaining it. And, you know, just like anything else in life, people try to make their profession, their, you know, what they're good at, their craft, they try to make it sound more complicated than it is so other people don't figure it out. <laughs> Pat Kerwin does a good job of just being like, hey, look, this is just simple numbers is all this is. Like, and, and everything, everything keeps getting recycled through the NFL. You'll hear stuff in that book. Um, and 2.0 is a lot newer, but the first, the original take your eye off the ball, the one I read, there were things five years later, I'll go, he, he projected this. He said, look, this is how it is now, but it'll probably go to this. And now it's coming back around. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really interesting. Fascinating, man. That's awesome though. Jen, glad you got it. Carly Ray says, good. It's awesome. I wish he'd updated again. Me too. Pat Kerwin used to be active on Twitter. I actually tagged him in your tweet, Jen, but he hasn't tweeted in a long time. And, and, you know, I'm sure he's getting older too. You know, um, he's probably, he's got to be coming up on 70, I would imagine. So um, I'm 41 and I get tired of Twitter. You know what I mean? I, probably, <laughs> I can't imagine me at 71. I'm, I probably already got ran off of Twitter for saying something inappropriate, but anyway. Um, all right, let's do it. Yeah, look at this right here. That's what we do, man. We get everybody hooked. Duke says, I'm, I'm going to refill my coffee. You guys maybe want some more. Got to get that diesel, man. You can never have too much diesel in your cup, especially this early. You got to 
every morning. Jacob, you drinking any coffee this morning? You just jump out of bed, bro. I got a lot of coffee. This is actually cup number two, and it's barely denting right now. I gotta, I gotta. Have you guys tried espresso? Oh, dude, that's what that's all I drink. I do three shots of espresso and then cream. Yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I do three three shots of espresso. This is the second cup, so I've had six shots of espresso this morning. Holy yeah. cow! I got. I'm, I'm, just I'm a little. I'm a little tuned up, you know. Clayton's Clayton built different, man. He's built different. <laughs> no, Clayton's old. Clayton's old and hurting. That's that's how Clayton's different. He's got so. that Dan Campbell. Do you ever see what Dan Campbell drinks? Like, oh, it's crazy. Isn't it? What is it like? Thirty-two ounces of coffee or yeah. something every day? But it's like, yeah, ten shots of espresso. Like that's his first cup or whatever. I don't know. The dude's gonna die. But anyways, um, yeah. somewhere Nick Nick the Realtor is going. I, I stopped listening because you're talking about coffee. So we better move on here. All right, injury report. Let's hit it. Matt Schneiden, Packers final injury report versus the Vikings. Doubtful is Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, De- Devondre Campbell, Emmanuel Wilson, and Luke Tenuta. Questionable, Dontavian Wicks, Darnell Savage, TJ Slayton, Robert Rochelle. Jaden Reed returns after missing last week. So if, if nothing has changed in the eyes of the NFL, the way you want to read this, doubtful is typically a 25% chance of playing, Okay questionable is a 50-50 chance of playing, a 50% chance of playing. So if you were to take that in the way the Packers are very, very conservative, I feel real real comfortable saying all of the doubtful, Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, Devondre Campbell, and Emmanuel Wilson, and Luke Tenuta are all going to be out. Questionable, good chance one or two of those four are going to be available, right? So if that's the case with Jaden Reed coming back, I would – I would guess Dontavian Wicks are going to play it safe with him. That's what I would do. Now, if he goes out there and play, I'm not going to complain. But uh, the fact that you've got a shot – now, maybe they've got him active and they got him on a snap count. And if the game's closed, put your boy in there and, and let him make a play, right? Uh, Darnell Savage, I would I would expect him to play if I had to pick one of these or another one of these four. So, if I had to pick two off of this list, my guess would be Darnell Savage and TJ Slayton will be active because Darnell Savage, you know – especially with Jair being out, that that DB room is going to be kind of thin, you know, already. And TJ Slayton being your true nose, I, I I would think they would want him active. Now, they could have a setback, right? They may wake up the day of the game and feel worse than they did when this was listed. So all bets are off there. But um, I would probably uh, try to have Dontavian Wicks on a on a snap count. If you could somehow, some way, jump out to an early league, control the game, maybe not even put him on the field because of that chest injury. Um, but Jaden Reed coming back is exciting, man. Tim, what do you think about Jaden Reed? Uh, most likely, um, I mean, it's pretty much a done deal. He's going to be on the field there come Sunday night. Yeah, that's huge, especially, you know, with what we said about Tay Wicks um, or uh, Don Wick, uh, as Jacob <laughs> likes to call him. Um, he, uh, you know, having at least one of those guys is just crucial, especially against this Vikings defense. You know, I, I don't want to see a scenario where neither one of those dudes are on the field. So um, I think you're right. And, you know, Reed had a bit of a chest injury at one point this year, too, and needed needed a little time to get back. Um, I think you've uh, I think you do the same thing. I think you you keep your eye on Wicks and um, let him heal up a little bit. I'm excited about Jaden Reed. I can't wait to see the uh, I think we're going to see some jet motion. I think we're going to see, um, you know him running great routes and not looking like a rookie. It's going to be exciting. Um, I, the one disheartening thing was Emmanuel Wilson. He was a guy I had my eye on um, this week, um, starting to get more participation at practice. I thought maybe we'd uh, see him as a addition to this lineup at some point, um, considering the running back room being kind of banged up. 
Um, but obviously he'll be out another week. So um, mm-hmm. still someone I want to, I want to see come back at least once this year. Um, a young running back that uh, I don't know, maybe I'm overly excited about, but uh, something tells me Wilson might be, might be around for the long haul here as we look to the future. It's just be nice to see him get some more reps, but um, yeah, man, Jaden Reed in the lineup. It's going to be great. We, we need that. Another yeah. spark, spark plug right there. And I think it's a, it's a positive sign, too, that Luke Musgrave limited all week long. He's obviously not going to play this week, but there's a chance he might be back next week for the Bears. That's a real possibility, you know. And, and again, you guys know how I feel about Tucker Craft. I feel like Tucker Craft has been more effective. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Then Luke Musgrave, which kind of cool. We actually had a couple of things come off the presser. And Jacob, we can come back to the injury report if you got something you want to add. I just wanted to mention this real quick since we mentioned Tucker Kraft, um, who I always want to call Robert Kraft. We got to make that Photoshop happen. Uh, Tuck, or, uh, Ryan Wood on Twitter said, Tucker Craft and development through rookie season, quote, it's night and day. Here's the exact quote. He said, it's night and day. I turn on the film earlier part of the year, and it just makes me sick. It makes me upset that that stuff, and I'm going to say the same thing next year when I see myself play. It's a tribute to the offense. I've been in position to make some good plays, but seeing the growth I've made, it's night and day. It makes me sick, some of the stuff I was putting on film earlier in the year. I just wish that could all be erased and it's not available for any other team in the NFL because I feel I've grown that much. Ryan Wood went on to say, lots of confidence in Jordan Love from inside the Packers locker room. The latest evidence from Tucker Craft, quote, Jay Love's a guy, he's him. All we've got to do is go out there and make sure we're running the, we're running the right direction and he'll find a way to put it on us. Um, Then he went on to say Matt LaFleur says Jordan Love has done a hell of a job dealing with so many moving pieces in the Packers offense this season, really since week one. Quote, it makes everything he's been able to do that much more impressive. 
because that's not easy to do. Jacob, what do you think about any of that, man? Tucker Craft, Jordan Love. Tucker Craft's been dominating the pod here lately, man. I love that dude. I love him. Yeah, again, I mean, I'll go back. It's just really nice to see the way that that dude has progressed. And it, it didn't happen in a likely scenario because, I mean, even Tucker Craft, he says it right there. Um, he was he, he was ashamed of the stuff he put on film. And, like, we talked about it, man. The dude didn't seem like he could shed a block. He couldn't keep a block if he needed to. He couldn't run a route crisply. And then if he had, if he happened to do get a to get to actually get open, he'd either whiff on the ball so bad or if he caught it, he'd all of a sudden get concrete shoes and trip over himself and just fall flat on his face. And then all of a sudden he's just turned into this, this blocking agile, big, but, but, you know, swift and nimble guy with the feet. And then all of a sudden he's turned into like this monster yak dude where he gets the ball, he turns up field. He's, he's high jumping and he's throwing the raisins out for anybody to, you know, <laughs> get him in the old, craft bag so he's i just i love it man he's been great uh can i you can you pull up the injury report one more time real quick yeah because, um, like you were saying i i sneakily think that wicks might try to play and i think he might actually play more snaps than people are thinking i don't know maybe i, I could be overthinking it and playing way too much you know 60 chess when lafleur it, it could just be all a game but i kind of see lafleur as maybe using that as a little bit of smoke and mirrors type thing and then when maybe when we come back Jaden reeds you know definitely got you know more end arounds and the orbit motion doing crazy stuff but maybe wicks is more of that kind of i don't know dude it's been weird watching him kind of solidify himself as kind of more of a number one receiver almost more than i would argue dobbs and i don't really know what that means for dobbs because dobbs like he's a unique type of type of receiver all these guys are so kind of niche in what they do it's hard to say which one of them would be a standalone number one, in my opinion. I don't know. What do you guys think at this point? If you, because the, the depth chart is not what I thought it would be statistically. <laughs> and as far as what I overall, I mean, I'm over here. I thought I saw somebody, I don't know if it was Jen. She's like, give me more Bull Melton. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I kind of want to see more Bull Melton. Like, I don't know, man. We talked about it at the beginning of the year. Remember when we were like, are they going to keep seven wide receivers? You know, and we're now at the point where I'm like, yeah, keep seven, bro. <laughs> like, and, you know, I don't think anybody expected going into the season for them to be kind of a pass-happy team. Everybody was like, we got to lean on the running game. we got the best running back duo in football. The offensive line comes out, and part of it was scheme. Part of it was scheme. And then as we get later in the season, talking to Mike, uh, Mike Wall, Mike Wall said, Clayton, I said, man, they need to simplify things go to the zone. He said, Clayton, they can't even do that. Like, they can't block – they can't zone block right now. So he was seeing it all over the tape as well. Nobody, I know I wasn't expecting. Maybe you guys seen it coming. I didn't. I didn't see it being like, okay, no, I feel comfortable with the ball in Jordan's hands. You know, just throwing consistently. Now, first down, especially when you got a two-score lead, I don't like that. I don't like coming out throwing on first down, putting yourself behind the sticks, behind schedule at a second and ten. That that kind of bugs me a little bit. But as far as the injury report from the Vikings side, Jordan Addison's going to be huge. Jordan Addison's been a solid rookie. Um, you know, it's going to come down to. Um, is he going to play or not? He did not participate Wednesday. He was limited Thursday and Friday. Um, I think there's a good chance that he's going to be um, going to be active just because it's such a big game. You know, this is essentially like Tim said all week long. This is the playoffs, but out for them. Let's go questionable is Jordan Addison, wide receiver, obviously rookie. Uh, you got Makai Blackman at cornerback. He's questionable. You got true too. Yeah. You got Troy Dye at linebacker. You got Theo. Now, as far as out, you've got Theo Jackson at safety. You've got Byron Murphy at corner. 
You've got uh, Jalen Naylor, I think is how you say it, at wide receiver. And you've got uh, Jaqueline Roy at defensive tackle. That's one that could be a, could be a big miss there too. So uh, it's going to be interesting, man, to kind of see what the actives and inactives are. The plan is I just found out yesterday that I'm going on a road trip again. So Mandy is dragging her stick-in-the-mud husband on across the country once again. So we're going to be doing the show on the road. Hopefully everything goes as planned. If it does, we'll go live tonight, PTA live tonight. And the plan is to still do the Good Morning Lambo tomorrow pregame uh, show right before the game and hopefully a postgame show. But as we're driving back from dinner last night, Tim, I went, eh, ball's going to be dropping about that time, ain't it? So yeah. Mandy looked at me like, are you really – Sitting here acting like it's normal that you're going to be doing a post game show while we're ringing in the new year, and I'm going, you know, man, that's that's a good point. It's hard to argue with that logic. So, um, we may do one, we may not. I may be solo, it may might, not even shop, show up. Might be hard doing a good morning Lambo the following morning, too. Oh, yeah, because I'll be in the grave like this. And we're doing <laughs> where is she taking you? Where, you? where is she taking you? On we're gonna trip? we're taking a little road trip to Chattanooga. Um, so we got some family in Chattanooga. We're going to go down there and just hang out. And, you know, I was like, I don't – I'm tired of traveling. Oh, we just got back from Florida. I told her I didn't want to go to Green Bay this year. She wanted to go to Green Bay. I'm like, I just want to stay home this year. I just want to relax. So I learned that by not going to Green Bay, we had to go somewhere else. So yeah. I should have just said we're going to Green Bay this year. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to be in Chattanooga. And I was like, I don't want to go anywhere else. And then my, my you know, brother-in-law, Mandy's, Mandy's sister's husband, Said, hey, Clayton, I'm going to smoke a brisket. I'm like, you know what? We can take a brisket. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It changes everything. Daddy soda and brisket. Yeah. I'll take one for the team, Mandy. Here we go. So hilarious. That's that's the plan, anyway. Um, Again, Nick the Realtor's mad at me again because I was talking about brisket. So let's move on to Jordan Love. All right. This is kind of cool. Not great, but according to PFF, he's 15th. Okay. And you guys are going, well, I hate PFF. I understand a lot of people do. Some people think it's the gospel. Some people hate it. I'm right in the middle. I think it's another metric we can use. So he's grading out as a 78.4. He's done nothing but progress. You guys, you remember early in the season when we were still somehow, some way winning a few games and he was grading out in the mid-60s? You know why? We forget. The defense was playing good. <laughs> you know, that's when we were top five in scoring defense, top ten in, you know, the points per play category. Um since then, the defense has turned into hot garbage, and now Jordan Love is just carrying this team, really, when you think about it. And he's carrying it through timing, through protecting the football, uh, all of those things. Now, his fumble grade is what's really bringing him down to the 56.2. That's something – when you go into the offseason and they they do your exit interview out of the building, they're going to go, okay, here's the things you need to work on, right? Here's the things we need to work on. I know one of them is going to be that fumble grade. What did we just get through bragging about? Him taking the ball, putting it in his left hand, and stiff arming defenders and all that. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you love those plays, but you know the fumbles—they've got to get cleaned up. Other than that, though, man, passing grade seventy-seven point two, running grade sixty-six point nine. Like I said, fumble fifty-six point two, but coming in an overall offensive grade at seventy-eight point four—that's fifteenth best I, in the league. So, what's that? I didn't even realize. If you don't like PFF, okay, cool, I got that. If you just want regular stats, I didn't. Dude, Jordan Love is 13th overall in passing yards, and here's a kicker that's hilarious. Uh, my boy Joe Flacco, who you all know if you follow me for a while, I've been I've been loving Joe Flacco since before it was cool. Uh, he now ranks 31st in the league with 1,600 yards passing, 26 
is Justin Fields with only 2,100 yards passing. Dude, Joe Flacco played four games and almost is about to surpass Justin Fields in passing yardage <laughs> just for that kicker, just so you guys know. And uh, Jordan Love, I believe, uh, is now the all-time leading passing touchdown leader if he, were a, if he was a Chicago Bear at this point in his career. He's, if I understood correctly, he's 250 yards away, I think. Oh, is he? Having basically the best year of any quarterback in Bears history, which is hilarious. And then he's yeah. third. He's, dude, Love is tied for third in the league in passing touchdowns, guys. That's yeah, insane. check it out right here. Bang, passing touchdowns. You don't well, believe Jacob? Here are the numbers: tied for third with twenty-seven touchdowns. Now, here's what's cool. Look who's ahead of him: Josh Allen. He's got fifteen interceptions. Jordan only has eleven, four or less. Some people are saying Josh Allen. Josh Allen should be the MVP. That's that's not a joke. Like there are some people trying to make the case that Josh Allen's the true MVP here. That's pretty wild that Jordan Love has better numbers in that regard, right? I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. Um, Jared Goff above him, twenty-seven touchdowns, ten interceptions, only one less than Jordan Love. Above him, Brock Purdy, twenty-nine touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Now he threw four in the last game, so that number it is what it is. I got you, but still. Before the last game, he was 29 and seven. So, or would have been 29 and seven if he hadn't thrown those picks in that game. Um, Dak Prescott, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So, Jacob, you're right on the mark, dude. Tied for third in passing touchdowns with 11 interceptions. Got 27 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. Tim, we talked about this going into the season. All of us did, me, you, Jacob. My big thing was, look, man, if we finish, if he finishes at 25 touchdowns and 15 interceptions, I would be happy. We're at 27 touchdowns and 11 interceptions right now. It's looking like he's probably going to finish somewhere around the 30 touchdown, 12 to 13 interception mark. It's pretty good stuff, man. Oh, absolutely. And uh, we found out what we needed to know, right? He's the guy. He's the guy. I don't, I don't even want to hear the, well, we need to, uh, no, he's the guy. Nope. Uh He's the guy, um, and he deserves it. Um, and, yeah, he's had some ups and downs this year, and um, any first-year starter is going to have that. But we saw steady improvement. And, yeah, you're right about the – you know, the Jordan protects the football, but, you know, when you're when you're out scrambling, you got to put yourself in a different mindset so those, uh, those things don't happen, um, which I'm sure he'll shore up. But, yeah, man, he's exceeding expectations, I think, at this point for us, so. Lot to be happy about. No, oh, absolutely, man. So, uh, I'll give you guys a quick update. I just uh, this conversation just sparked the fact that I forgot that I put in a pretty decent sized bet at the beginning of the year for uh season stats. And here's what I did I put a 50 burger down. If I get four out of four out of prize picks, I win 500 bucks. I said that Jordan Love would get more than 3,250 yards passing, he's at 3,587. I said Justin Fields. Would get less than 29.30, as we just talked about. He's at 2,100, basically. I said Romeo Dobbs would have over 575 yards. He's at 646. I said Christian Watson would have over five and a half receiving touchdowns. Guys, he's at five. I need Christian Watson. To one more game, baby. And please play one more game, bro. Please. Jacob, Jacob trying to get that 500 books. Right, you're gonna share that with the group, Jacob. You're gonna share that with the group. I'm just saying, <laughs> yo, if I get that, I'll donate half of it to um to Fertile Ground Ranch and I'll donate the other half Ooh. to whatever charity that you guys think we should donate it to. That's what I'm talking about. Name. See, that's 
with with our sponsor, it's a good way, a good time to hit this real quick. With our sponsor now being BetUS, you just I've been sitting here going, how can we get the group involved in some kind of like, you know what I mean? Little prop bet where they're not wagering money, but as a group, we're kind of we we're invested into promoting BetUS. That might be the way to do it. What if as a group collectively we come up with some kind of okay, here's 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 what it is. I'll put the money up. Won't be a whole lot, like Jacob, $50 to win $500, something like that, right? And then we can choose a charity to donate that money to if we win. That would be really cool. I'm not going to hold you. I'm not going to hold that, hold you to that, Jacob. I'm just saying that's a great idea, dude. That's an absolutely great idea moving forward. But again, BetUS is the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live. Um, if you guys would click on the YouTube link here, uh, the description in the description of this video on YouTube. Uh, you will find a link. If you click on that link, it'll send you directly to BetUS, where if you register for free as a customer, it will let them know that Packers Total Access Live sent you to BetUS. Uh, again, doesn't cost a dime, but I think if you get in there and get to playing around with the interface, seeing all the prop bets they got, stuff like that, if you like to put action on the game, whether it's on the line or if it's, like I said, a prop bet with uh, with just individual performances, uh, it's kind of the fantasy football approach, if you will. It's a lot of fun there. Um, you know, that's uh, that's something that you can use that link and support our show uh, for free, though, by just registering as a customer. When you look at the green line this week, earlier this week, guys, you remember me talking about it was two points, right? The Vikings were two point favorites. Now it's down to one and a half, according to the market, according to PFF, right? Now their PFF line has it at plus one point four, meaning you're seeing it trend in Green Bay's direction. Anyone who's in the gambling world knows you watch these lines and how they move. It tells a lot. It tells a whole lot, especially if you're not really focused in on one specific team like we are with the Packers. You're just kind of globally looking at going, the line's shifting in that direction. Something's happening that maybe I don't know about, right? Um, but when you look at it now, 75% of the cash and 75% of the tickets are on Green Bay plus one and a half, according to PFF. And uh, the money line, the uh, 60% of the cash is on Minnesota to win outright. 81% of the tickets are on Green Bay there in that regard. The over-under is still set at 43 and a half. Looks like 83% of the tickets and 95% of the cash are all in the over. Everyone's expecting the over to hit in this game as that line continues to move. Now, if you go to BetUS, again, that's what the market is. That's what PFS is saying the market is at plus one and a half, right? It went from two to one and a half. Remember, BetUS had it at two. Now it's at one. So you're seeing the lines move towards Green Bay now. Um, so uh, you can still get Green Bay plus one on BetUS. If you uh, like the Vikings, then never watch this show again. And uh, you can take your minus one point and hit the door. Okay. As Packer fans, we say that respectively, but or respectfully, I should say. So again, BetUS, the official sports book of Packers Total Access Live, been America's favorite sports book since 1994. Appreciate them jumping on board. So Good segue, Jacob. Look at you being all professional, man. Talking about your bet and just teeing that up, dude. We talked about that offline, didn't we? No, you just rolled out of bed seven minutes ago. Okay? <laughs> all right. So, what's been the big knock on Jordan Love this year? It's been the accuracy, right? You know, it's amazing how you can be inaccurate and protect the football as, as well as he has. And I know some people are going to Clayton still in eleven interceptions. Gone are the days of Aaron Rodgers with only four interceptions in an entire season. All right, we're kind of back down to reality. And and you know the other thing too, maybe you don't get a couple of these close games if Aaron Rodgers is in there protecting the football too much, right? Jordan is that throw to Tucker Craft. I'm telling you right now, when they sat down in the meeting room, I guarantee you, with the laser pointer, Matt Lafleur went, Jordan, you cannot throw this ball. <laughs> 
how he fitted in there on his breastplate and bang Tucker crap. What was it? 20 some yards explosive play. I think of that one he threw to Jaden Reed in Detroit. Same thing. Yeah. Like and wow. Aaron, Aaron went on the McAfee show and said, yeah, that was definitely a miscommunication. He said, I'm about 95% sure that wasn't in the playbook for Christian to run that flat with two slants across the backside. Um, but nonetheless, man, he fit that thing in there. We we did that zoomed in super slow motion. It looked like the Zapruder film, dude. It was like, how in the world did this thing get through? Absolutely amazing. Some people are going, what's Zapruder? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, if we talk about the Zapruder film, then we're going to have to key this up. Although you've you've you got to be a conspiracy theorist yourself to believe that. Never mind, I ain't gonna say it. Anyway. <laughs> All right, catchable percentage, Jordan Love. Or right, I'm sorry, let's let's start with uh, I want yeah, catchable percentage. So what's catchable mean? Exactly what it sounds like. The ball wasn't thrown perfect, but they was deemed catchable, right? So when you talk about catchable percentage, Jordan Love is currently sitting 16th in the league. Understand minimum of 200 dropbacks. Okay, that was kind of the cutoff there. Um, he's 16th at 84.4%. Okay. Just below him, Justin Fields at 84.4, actually tied 84.4. Mac Jones, 84.3. Lamar Jackson, the year that he's having, right, guys, his catchable rate, Jordan Love has actually been slightly more accurate when you talk about catchable balls. Now, the problem with Jordan Love is his on-target percentage, right? With on-target, he drops down to 20th. On-target means it was thrown perfect. It was in stride. You couldn't put it in a better place. He is 72.3% there. There you see Lamar Jackson slightly higher than him at 72.7, right? So just to kind of give you an idea of, all right, um, catchable, yes, he's throwing quite a few catchable balls, but still the middle of the pack there as far as the starting quarterbacks across the league. On target, a little bit lower than the middle of the pack. But you guys remember his completion percentage was in the 50s early in the year. It is now up to 62.5%. So he's gone from outside of the top 32 that we've we've talked about extensively on this show. Now he's up to 62.5. Tim, this is the improvement we wanted to see. We wanted to see the accuracy get better. We were a little bit worried about it because it's rare that that happens. Josh Allen is the best case study for that, right? Is he's one who's been able to improve his accuracy when it was hot garbage in college. He was in, I think he was like 55% in college. So uh, pretty cool seeing his accuracy come along. And you can see, and this is even with him still throwing off platform. We talked last week, remember the throw to Romeo Dobbs, right? That's a good example. That was completed in a crucial time in the game, fourth quarter, set up the go-ahead field goal from Anders Carlson, which he hasn't gotten enough love. Um, but that's a good one of that was catchable. It was not on target to give you guys kind of an example there. But uh, even with that throw, Tim, you pointed out how his mechanics were off. He had that little hop step kind of throwing, fading away. If he fixes his mechanics, it, his arm isn't the issue with the accuracy. Yep. It's his base. Yep. So if he gets that straightened out, man. We got something here. But what do you think about these numbers as far as the accuracy improvement? I think especially when we talk about the deep ball, um, you know, he gets his legs under him and starts stepping in. I always remember Brett. Brett would just step into those throws and just launch, launch that ball down the field. Aaron too, um, same thing. Uh, and I think Jordan's capable, but we we know the way this league's trending, right? You know, you you almost have to be able to throw off platform. I think the 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 key now is realizing when it's necessary and when it's not. And if you've got time to hit the top of the drop and you know plant your plant your feet properly and and let her rip, I think we're going to see an extra five yards on those balls that look like they're a little short. And, um, you know, 
accuracy will improve with time and reps. Um, we've kind of seen it throughout the year. That's why we've had this vacillating between an absolute laser beam dart, perfectly thrown ball, and then we see what what the heck was that? So it's mm-hmm. like he's honing this in uh, as we go, and um, future looks bright. Jay Money, number ten, because he's only throwing dimes. He'll he'll get to that status. It's it's coming real soon. Um, but a lot of it is it's mechanics, mechanics related stuff. The the thing that we I'll, I'll take this as an issue to work on over he can't diagnose plays pre snap or we're we're you know we're checking out of things when we should be checking into things and you know those aren't the issues. He's really short short up his pre snap and post snap uh, looks and reads. Um, He's running the huddle well, communicating with the guys. You know, we we call something. He's doing alert, alert. Everyone else is on the same page. You know, those those would be really bad issues if we had issues in that department. So we don't. What we have is a little bit of a hitch. Um, sometimes the feet aren't under a, underneath them like you want. Hey, those are correctable. And he'll be watching that film um, probably throughout the offseason, looking at things that he can work on. And we know Jordan is a guy that, He'll probably give his arms some rest, but he'll probably be right back out there uh, getting his workouts in and uh, working on his mechanics throughout the offseason. So um, I think the sky's the limit for Jordan Love and uh, just happy with what we're seeing so far. Yeah, for sure. Doug Pointer in the chat says, does that take into consideration throwaways? It does, Doug. That is according to SIS and in their catchable, they're on target and their completion or they're catchable and they're on target. It removes any of the throwaways, and it also removes the spot, you know, when you're stopping the clock with clock plays. So great question. Glad you brought it up. It does remove those things, which is giving you kind of that true metric, right? And uh, just want to say, got a herd of people in here right now. Thank you all for hanging out with us this morning. If you would, hit that like button so other Packer fans can find this show and find this uh, this channel. We appreciate you all making us a part of your morning. Um, one of the other things I wanted to mention is another question in the chat right here. Bang. Duke, uh, actually, Jacob, let me get your take on this, and then I'll hit this receiver's drop thing as I get it sorted. What do you think about uh, Jordan's accuracy here, man? Yeah, I mean, um, the accuracy, I mean, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. It, like you said, it gets a little bit worrisome as the uh, depth goes a little bit deeper and stuff. And like Tim talked about, I'm not worried about his arm strength. I think that, if anything, he just – he throws with such ease, it seems like. He just kind of very casually throws that ball and it comes out like a rocket. So, like like you said, when he starts really throwing that thing, chucking it, like I thought about, when you watch Sean Clifford throw, it looks like he's just going to throw his arm out of socket kind of thing, like old school Brett. But I was wondering if you could do one thing for me, Clayton, and if you can't, yeah. it's fine. Is this a screen grab or are you available or are you able to sort through the attempts? Um, the, the SIS data, I've got it pulled up right now. I was going to answer Duke's question. I can try to. It just depends on what it is because there's like 80 different variables that you've got to make sure is checked. And, you know, so what what is the question? I guess is I just wanted to see how he stacks up. That's Jordan Love just with how many attempts versus like because I'm just on this screen grab here. I can see that he's a lot higher than I would have assumed he would be. He's in the likes of he's more than you want to see how many attempts Jordan has. Sam Howell territory. Basically, he's I'm looking at quarterbacks around that area that the teams aren't doing that well. So I'm wondering. Gotcha. Cool, we'll do that. Yeah. Um, first first thing first here, Duke in the chat says, What's the drop rate from his receivers? I think early on that was a large factor. Here's what's crazy. People were still kind of dogging the receivers as if, oh, well, they're they're making mistakes. Guys, last year, Aaron Rodgers got crucified last year. And there was two factors that people refused to talk about. Broken thumb on his throwing hand, and his wide receivers led the league in drops. Okay. 
So Duke's asking, what what are the drop rate with his receivers? People are saying this is a youngest receiving core. You know, Aaron had more to work with. It's yes, it's a younger receiver core, but Romeo Dobbs in the second year, Christian Watson, although he's been hurt, right? You've got some people that that have kind of contributed in that regard. Um, when you look at the drop rate this year, remember last year the Packers led the league in drops. This year, their drop percentage, the Packers are currently sitting at 16th at 6%. So right in the middle of the pack. So if you went lowest to highest, the Packers have the 17th fewest drops, okay? So if you went drop percentage higher, right, they have the 16th highest percentage of drop percentage, okay? Now I'm going to try to go to totals here and see if we can get as a team how many drops they've had because that's what I was going off of last year. This year, as far as drops, the Packers are 15th. So you went from having the most drops in the league to the 15th most. That's a significant jump. And listen, we criticized the hell, we being me, Jason Vrabel last year for all those drops. Like, What are we doing with this wide receiver room? You got Alan Lazard. You got Randall Cobb. You got uh, Bob Tunyon, who has one of the highest catch rates in the league as a tied in, although he was injured somewhat during the season. Um, all these things come into factor, right? You've got Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, the two rookies. I criticize the heck out of them. To take a team from first in the league in drops to 15th, Tim, bro, that's impressive. You guys talk about that, and I'll see if I can pull those attempts up for you, Jake. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think, Jacob, but I think that's, um, you know, that's a stat that's going to be, you know, have a lot of contributing factors, right? Your quarterback's uh, throwing ability, your receiver's route running and and uh, catching ability, um, the plays that are being called, um, you know, whether you're in rhythm as an offense or not. Um, I think at times we looked a little choppy and out of rhythm early in the year. Now we look like we have a little more command and control back there. Guys are aware of where they're supposed to be and the ball's getting out on time. That was another thing. We talked about Jordan patting that ball too long and uh, that can throw off the rhythm too. Even if you, if you get it out late, you know, an extra pat on the ball and it comes out late and now it's on your back hip rather than on, you know, out front that can lead to drops, you know, and that's, it's a 50, 50 kind of deal here. It's kind of on your quarterback. It's also on your receivers at times. Um, but I definitely think this is something that they're showing up and yeah, it's impressive when you look at just comparing last year to see where, where this team is now. And, uh, you know, we've got some guys that are great at the contested catch. Um, Dobbs is one of them that comes to mind. And, you know, Jaden Reed, Malik Heath has pretty sure hands. He's had a couple drops this year, but I think he's coming along as well. And um, just excited about this young receiver core to continue to improve going forward. Definitely. Go ahead, Jake. I mean, yeah, just to build off that, I don't know if anybody's gotten to listen to Ryan's. Maybe it was this last podcast yesterday. I think there was two of them that dropped. I think it was the beginning one. But he went through just how unbelievably well, specifically this last draft class, is ranking at their prospective positions. And more specifically, the Packers, <laughs> he did it. Uh, and he lined it up NFC North and compared each uh, draft position. Of course he did. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was honestly, it was one of Ryan's best. Like he was ranting and he was doing that thing where he was. He's like, oh, I guess, you know, Gene Reed, second-round pick. I guess he's doing all right. He's ranked, like, the third overall best wide receiver as a rookie. <laughs> like, that's decent. Our fifth-round guy, uh, Don Wicks, some guy, I don't know, he's, like, you know, ranks as the number one receiver in this and that category. And he's like, oh, and just to rub salt in the wound, let's just get a UDFA, Malik Heath, who's – I don't know if you've looked at that, but Malik Heath is ranking, like, top 
seven or something. You know, it's, we have basically all three of our draft picks that are wide receivers in a draft after we've got, I would say, two studs at wide receiver. We went in and peppered three guys to really solidify a five. So basically in two years, we took a team that said that we had no wide receivers, that we didn't know how to draft wide receivers as of late, and we filled out a massively potentially – all five of those guys in the I could see them being starters. I don't think we're gonna be able to keep all five of those guys after right. three, four, five years. But for the next two to three years, dude, we have off and we have 14 draft picks next year. I just can't get over how excited this makes me. I mean, obviously, I'm excited about these next two weeks, but right after that, even worst case scenario, guys, we get to start the best part, in my opinion, of football, <laughs> which is the the hope. Right, right. right Clean slate, I, baby. Clean yeah. slate. We're Lions fans. We're Saints fans. We're, you know what I mean? We're like, this is our year. Yeah. For that next six months, everybody's going to the Super Bowl. And then you add in the the extra little uh, caveat, too, of, you know, going into the offseason, most likely you're making a change at defensive coordinator. If Let's say worst-case scenario here. People are going to get so mad at me. What if we don't make the playoffs, right? Let's let's play devil's advocate for a minute. You're going to be watching the playoffs going, who's going to be our next D.C.? We pluck yeah. them from one of these teams. There's going to be excitement watching the playoffs there too, right? As you're you're getting ready for that. But uh, Jen right in the chat said Watson compared to last year drop percentage is way down. Um, and then uh, Cheesehead Murph said uh, he tagged at J Dub and said people need to leave Scoot alone. Tay took a while. That's so true, man. They are just impatient and casual. <laughs> they they'll get on board um, like they never got off the next game he is in. LOL. That's a fact. And, you seen like Devontae, he's he, Devontae struggled with injury early in his career as well. Yep, you know, that'll absolutely. stunt your growth, uh, any any player for sure. It's so true, man. And earlier this year, you've seen it. And then Christian Watson, you guys know I went on a little bit of a rant breaking down the tape and pointing out how callers were calling in and, and you know, uh, listeners were making comments about this is all Christian Watson's fault. The ball was thrown behind him. Like you, you can't, it, that's not a 50, 50 ball. A 50, 50 ball is the ball is accurate and the DB and the wide receiver are in a position to make, make the catch. A 50, 50 ball isn't where Christian Watson's, you know, literally turns his head at the goal line and the ball should already be on its way and, and, and out here. And the ball is two yards behind him to where he has to stop and try to go back over the receiver and make the catch. Like, that's not a 50-50 ball. That's an inaccurate, bad ball, period, okay. case closed. So um, Christian Watson caught a lot of flack, and then he comes back and balls out for two games before he pulls the hammy again, which, by the way, pulling the hammy, people act like, oh, that's a bad thing. Oh, he saw. Did you see, like, did you see the way he was performing on the field when he tore the hammy? Right. And it was on an end around, if I remember correctly, too. Like, he's doing everything they're asking him to do. It's not his fault that the hammy keeps giving out. So – um, I, I'm with you, Cheesehead Murph. Uh, again, those two games, everybody got quiet, got real quiet, just like the people that were doing the victory laps over Rasul Douglas. How I thought this was going to hurt the locker room. Jair goes rogue, and now they're quiet. Um, it's a long season. That's why you should say you should kind of you should you should stress your opinion, right? You should say, okay, here's here's how I'm seeing things, but maybe not be so hardcore in on it, right? You'll hear us talk all the time about certain topics, and we'll go, but. This right here is the negative. Here's the downfall. Here's here's what could go wrong, right? I'm um, not telling anybody how to fan. It's just that 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 bothers me. <coughs> getting emotional. That bothers me when people try to roast players like that. Man, it's a team sport, and the fans should look at it the same way. Like, let's not be so quick to just try to fire everybody and kick everybody out of the organization and bench everybody. Darn sure don't go 
tweeting at their family, calling their son soft on Twitter, which, you know, we got a video we'll play if we get time here in a minute. But Larry McCarron kind of made a little side comment on a video. We probably won't have time. We'll have to hit it tonight. But he made a little side comment about social media. And it was Quay Walker actually mentioned it. Like, that's why I got off social media. I get, and everybody's still convinced Devontae Campbell, his shot was at the coaching staff. And it wasn't. It's been all confirmed now. He was taking a shot at the fans going, you guys don't appreciate it when I try to play hurt. They don't understand. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to do it just so I can get embarrassed and roasted out here by the fan base. That's essentially what he was saying. So, uh, I don't know. This, it's just important to put those things into perspective. Jacob, you asked about the attempts, right? They are 16th in the league in passing attempts as a team. Okay, so if you overall passing attempts as a team, they're 16th. It's important to separate the two, okay? So they've thrown the ball as a team right in the middle of the pack, okay? Now, when you go to Jordan Love, here's the other thing, too, we haven't talked about. is how healthy Jordan Love's been. Like, it's huge for a player to stay healthy. His durability, man. Forget the knock in the wood. I know stuff can happen at any point. And here's the point. It's not their fault when it happens. Freak accidents happen all the time, yep. right? I'm just simply saying this dude knows how to protect himself. He's he's done a good job at that. Now, maybe that's why his fumbles were up a little bit, right? Maybe he's more focused on how he takes the hit than protecting the ball. It could be the case. Um, I would much rather him lose a fumble than, than not be able to protect himself and get hurt. You know, that's just me. I'd rather him have him have one bad game and have him back for the rest of the season than – and vice versa. But when you go individually, Jacob, um, just so you, to give you the whole story, he's got the sixth most attempts in the league. And it's important to mention that because when you've got the sixth most attempts in the league, you are going to have a higher chance of touchdown. So if you were to go touchdown percentage, that would probably give you a little bit better view on how good he is at throwing quote unquote touchdowns. But yeah, he has the six most attempts amongst quarterbacks. But as a team, the Packers are sitting 16th, I think 16th or 17th as a team as well. So did I answer your question, man? Yeah, I guess it just um do are the, the guys that have more attempts than him, do you see a pattern as if like they're on crappier teams? Because it is it playing from behind, beating the I just it's shocking to me because in my head I'm thinking like what could make this Packers team better immediately? I go defense, obviously. When I think right. what could make the offense better, I immediately my brain now goes to either running back or offensive line. Because I just I'm so comfortable with our wide receivers, but I mean, again, I'm I'm sure we'll take at least a st another stab or two at wide receivers. But I'm just thinking, like, what could take this offense to the next level? Gotcha. On the surface, um, Mike Wall said when I asked him about the offensive line, how do we feel about the offensive line? I don't know if you heard that episode or not, but he said he kind of danced around it a bit trying to gather stuff. He finally said, Clayton, when it comes down to Elton Jenkins, good to go. Right tackle Zach Tom. Everyone else, you're looking to upgrade. So that's what we said about the offensive line. Now, as far as the teams, um, individual players, the guys above Jordan Love are Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs, Sam Howe on the Commanders, Jerry Goff on the Lions, Trevor Lawrence on the Jaguars, Dak Prescott on the Cowboys. Hmm. So now if you were to go back to team, if I can do it really, really quick here, let me see if I can pull it back up. We'll go by team attempts here. And, uh, if it'll let me, it ain't going to let me right now, man. It's going to be, well, no, let's go leaderboards. Here we go. It just takes it a minute to load because there's so much, so much data in here. All right. So passing attempts as a team, Browns one, Jets two, Commanders three, Chiefs four, Vikings five, Bengals six, Jaguars seven, Saints eight, Chargers ninth, Lions 10th. So the top three are the Browns, 
pretty good season. I think they're at 11 wins now, 10 or 11 wins. Jets having a bad season, although they're I think they've got six wins. Um, and then Commanders are having a, a pretty bad year, if I remember correctly. So Chiefs having a down year, but still a pretty solid team, in my opinion. Vikings fifth um, in pass attempts. So, you know, everybody talks about this Vikings defense like they're great. Um, they, you know, Larry McCarron mentioned it on a video here. We're already over on time, so we're not going to hit the videos. I apologize, guys. But um, I'm just, I'd rather have this converse, these type of conversations than, than showing videos. But um, they're top ten in scoring defense, the Vikings. And I immediately went, whoa, watch it, Larry. You're going to get roasted. You're not allowed to talk about points scored. Got to be, gotta be DVOA, and, DVOA and rushing yards. What are you doing, Larry? You've never played the game. but <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. We're over on time. This was fun, man. This flew by. Jacob, we got to get you up earlier every day, man. We got to do this. And Tim, always bringing the inside, brother. Um, parting thoughts, Tim. Let's go around the horn, man. Just win, baby. Big game tomorrow. Just win it. Playoff atmosphere. Um, this is crucial experience for um, this young team. We talk about it. Um, you guys got to come together. We got a little BS adversity, a uh, little bit of little bit of locker room semantics and controversy with certain guys. We all know about it. Everyone knows it's out there now. Let's put all that behind us and go get a dub, man. That's all that matters here. Uh, keep your season alive. Uh, make this last game of the year against the Bears at home mean something. Make it meaningful football. We talked about this all year. Meaningful football in December and January. Uh, we're right there. One win at a time. Um I think our defense is going to show up for us. And if our offense can keep rolling, uh, we got a chance of coming out here uh, with a with a win in a close game. I, I do believe it's going to be a close game, like you said, Clayton. But uh, just looking forward to football, looking forward to um, talking more ball uh, tonight and um, uh, hopefully tomorrow. We'll see how things go with uh, your your roadie. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be uh, – I got a feeling it's going to be a – a great happy new year, man. It's going to be a good start to 2024 here with a Packers victory. Hey, um, we're, we're, we're two for two on holidays this year. Thanksgiving, they did it. Christmas Eve, they did it, right? Yep. You can pull off a third here. Um, got 83 people watching live right now. If you guys would hit that like button for us so other Packer fans can find this content, find this channel. I know there's a couple of Vikings fans in here just kind of sneaking around and watching. Just so you know, we'll make you hold that L tomorrow, right? <laughs> and before you get offended by that, hit that like button as you head out the door. Okay. Make sure you do that for us. So, um, Jacob, parting thoughts, buddy. Well, uh, like Tim kind of said, I mean, I don't know if there's much more of a playoff scenario slash, uh, scenario where these guys should be absolutely playing with their hair and their pants just on fire. I mean, divisional game, you win and you're in basically playoff scenario. You've got drama. The media is saying that we're a soft team, that the defense sucks. You're missing Jair. It's a prove-it game. I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know. At this point, if we walk into this game flat, I really hate to see what the Packers Twitter and everything is going to be looking like because at this point, the guillotines come out and they will start calling for heads. Let's not let that happen. Let's just <laughs> go out there and play like abs. I mean, there's like I said, there's really nothing else to say. It's you win and you're in. And then we, we it's playoff football, man. It's time to start turning the Jets on if we have them. And, and you know, I don't – not the New York Jets, the afterburner Jets, like Top Gun style, man. It's Goose Time, Maverick, Iceman. It's a good movie. I'm going to watch There that. we go. Which which, Bro, which you, our players are who's, – who's Goose and who's Iceman in this offense, right? I'm Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> 
When you say when you say goose and maverick, there's one person that comes to mind for me. Sixty-five percent. Sixty-five percent. That's what we. That guy right there. All right. So since Deadfish brought it up, he said young players would probably appreciate the plus forty-six thousand dollar five hundred playoff check. Ooh, so yeah, I don't know if those numbers are correct. He could have pulled them out of his rear end, but I'm assuming him being a Packers owner, as the profile pic shows, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, maybe they'll let us hold a buck or two. You know what I mean? Um, maybe we get one of them in here in the super chat. <laughs> but, Wits, Wits can't be Goose. He dies. Goose dies. Sorry, spoiler. There you go. What? Spoiler. I was going to watch that gonna today. watch that tonight. You're going to watch that 35-year-old movie tonight, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Standings. Let's hit it real quick since, like I said, uh, Dead Fish brung it up. So the standings, like I said, San Francisco, the one seed, Philly, the two, Detroit, the three, Tampa, the four, Dallas, the five. At 10 and 5, you've got the LA Rams. Really, the only two spots you want to focus on is 6 and 7. The Rams at 8 and 7. The Seattle Seahawks at 8 and 7. Minnesota Vikings, 7 and 8. Falcons, 7 and 8. Packers, 7 and 8. New Orleans Saints, 7 and 8. So those are the four teams you're looking for tomorrow. Tonight, I will try to pull a screen grab up of games to watch. We'll, we'll try to keep that going. Playoff scenario, real quick. Packers playoff scenarios. This is from USA Today. The easiest path the Packers could create for themselves is to first win out and finish the regular season at 9 and 8. However, just winning out won't get them in as there are teams ahead of them in the playoff standings. The teams that matter to the Packers in the standings are the L.A. Rams, Seattle Seahawks, and Atlanta Falcons. So a couple different scenarios here, okay? Here's the best scenarios for the Packers to make the number seven seed. So this is just the very last seed. If the Packers win out and the Rams lose one game, you make it in. If the Packers win out and the Seahawks lose one game, you, you get in, okay? So... Rams, Seahawks, we want them to drop at least one game and us win out, okay? The Falcons come into play if they and the Packers are the only two teams sitting at 9-8. and eight. In that case, Atlanta will get the playoff spot over Green Bay because it owns the head-to-head tiebreaker. Now, there is another scenario. There's also a chance for Green Bay to make to get the number six spot. The simplest path is the Packers win out and the Rams lose one game and the Seahawks lose one game. So if they, if they do that, if both those teams lose, we actually get the sixth seed, all right? If one of those teams lose and we win out, we get the seventh seed. All right. So just to kind of keep that in mind there, since, like I said, Dead Fish brung up the fact that there's some extra change on the line. So just want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. This has been an absolute blast. Tim, Jacob, hope you all have an awesome day. I'm going to hit the road here probably about noon. The goal is to get down there, get all the equipment set up, and hopefully we'll be ready to go live by 7 Central, 8 Eastern for PTA Live. So, Special shout out to everyone in the chat. You guys always bring the thunder here on Good Morning Lambo. Um, we're consistently getting into this 80 mark, you know, 70 to 80 live viewer mark. It's absolutely awesome. Um, you guys share this with your friends. Share this with your fellow Packer fans. Um, share it with a couple rival fans, too. We'll get them in here and have some some reasonable conversation. But if they come in here and they start gooning around, they want to troll, they're going to get this. Roadhouse. Make sure they know that. But appreciate y'all making us a part of your day. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go back, go. Guys, we are still live. We are still live.
But Omer made a special request, okay? We are still live. Do not say anything appropriate. Don't say anything bad about anybody, all right? Omer said, special request, please. Let's hit it just one time. It's John Deere Green. On a hot summer night, he rode Billy Bob Charlene. 